After experiencing the transformative power of a regular meditation practice, it's natural to feel inspired to share this gift and guide others on their own journey of discovery through meditation. Join Buddhist teacher David Nickturn and Duncan Trussell, comedian and creator of the Netflix animated series The Midnight Gospel, for a free online event on Tuesday, May 7th at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. They'll discuss the profound practices of mindfulness Dharma Moon's renowned Mindfulness Meditation Teacher Training Program. Get certified by Dharma Moon to teach meditation, lead group practice sessions, and work with individual students. Visit dharmamoon.com slash beherenow for more info and to reserve your spot for the free online event with David Nickturn and Duncan Trussell. Hi everyone, it's Mind Rolling. I'm Raghu and I uh, have a very special guest today that I'm just meeting, Mona Haydar. And Mona, welcome to Thank Mind Rolling. Nice Thank to you. meet I'm you. Excited. Likewise. So I I have a, a little bit of uh, usually before I I usually do an introduction where I'll Tell you know well. I'll tell people about what it is that my guest is up to, or a little bit of their bio and yours. Um, but I'm doing it right now with you because there's one fantastic thing that I find uh, in your bio that probably describes you better than anything. Even though I do not know you, we'll find out. A poet, activist, artist. Um, I'm about free life, uh, tree life, more love, green life, love always. But you know what? And this wasn't in 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 this uh, in this particular bio that I found online. I don't know where I found this, but tireless God enthusiast. Okay, <laughs> that probably most directly describes you i would imagine after reading up about you and so on and and just um being in your presence right now um mona tell us uh, of course everybody would like to know tell us about uh just about your life a little bit and in terms of where you were brought up and how you were brought up that would be good sure i uh i grew up in flint michigan and uh, it was an interesting place to grow up, certainly. I'm the daughter of Syrian immigrants. My parents emigrated from Damascus, Syria, um, as newlyweds. My father was a doctor. My mother's a teacher. And, yeah, I mean, basically, I grew up in the apple tree in our backyard. It was kind of a charmed childhood. And I quickly understood that... Um, the God I believed in was a God that I could most easily find um, when I was closest to myself and closest to the earth. And that quickly became a very clear theological uh, thesis of my life. <laughs> and, and I, I, you know, I've sort of lived that and, so as a young woman, I, you know, I embraced myself as a poet, even though it wasn't necessarily the coolest thing to be. <laughs> and, and I, <laughs> I don't know about and, that. <laughs> well, it was cool, but I didn't, I didn't feel cool doing it. You know, there were all sorts of people who just, you know, rocked the mic. And I, I was always up there talking about God. <laughs> Uh, unpopular, uh, yeah. Yeah, and so, you know, it didn't get me the, the biggest spotlights and biggest gigs, but it certainly brought um, a different sort of uh, connection with people. And that's sort of become my life, uh, that connection with people. And so I moved to the Lama Foundation after traveling uh, abroad after graduating from university, and I lived there. Really? Oh. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I showed up the day of my 24th birthday 
and I met my husband, who was the very first person I met when I arrived at the Lama Foundation. And he and I um, decided we wanted to make our life there. And we both, he became the, the coordinator. So he became the director of Lama and I became the registrar and we, we got married and we had a child there and mm. um, it was kind of a charmed life, you know, and, and um, quickly as, as those who know Lama, it quickly became clear that uh, the mountain was guiding us to leave. <laughs> the instructions were pretty clear. Your, your work is elsewhere now. Um, and so, you know, we took the hint, uh, the Lama Mountain is, is very direct and we took the hint and we left and, um, we, we tried our hand at living in Northern, um, Northern California in the Redwoods for a little while, but, uh, just found that it was very remote and removed and that we, we like people. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> you know, really... Mona, before you go on though. Uh-huh. I just want to say, because I didn't know this, right? I did mm-hmm. not know you lived at Lama. I, I know that you're friendly with uh, Mirabai Starr, who introduced uh, us, and mm-hmm. she's a, a great old friend. Um, but this podcast network is Ramdas Be Here Now Network, right? Right. So, of course, you know who Ramdas was. He's one of the originators of, of Lama, and so that's a whole other connection that I had no idea about. The only thing I thought... Because I, I saw somewhere where uh, you were uh, delighted to have come into contact with Murshid Sam, Sufi Sam, who mm-hmm. I know of quite well, although I never did meet him, but I know of him quite well through Ramdas and so on. So it's a small world, I guess that's all to say. So, okay, you left the, the Redwoods and moved on to be with um, people instead of trees. <laughs> That's right. The Redwoods were wonderful and lovely friends, but we found that we needed people. Um, so we headed back east to where we're both from, and I started quickly applying to graduate schools, and I'm currently getting my master's in theology uh, at Union Theological Seminary. And, uh, you know, in the interim, while I was waiting to hear back from graduate schools, my husband and I... Um, we're pretty sad and depressed about everything that happened. You know, uh, it was, it was a moment in time when it seemed like everything was bad. Um, the Paris attacks had just happened. San Bernardino shootings had just happened. And, and quickly thereafter, you know, the Pulse nightclub shooting. And so it just felt like the world needed some, some love, you know? And, we kept waiting for someone to do something and, you know, it just became so obvious that we had to be the ones to do that something if we wanted something to happen, you know, and there were beautiful people all over doing little somethings, but we realized that we also had to join that, that cohort. And so we, um, you know, my husband Sebastian had this beautiful idea of just going out on the street and saying to the world, hey, we're Muslim and we're here, we're your neighbors and we would love to get to know you. Here's a donut and here's some coffee or a flower if you don't do sugar or caffeine and come and talk to us. And the response was just, it was magical. You know, it was this marvelous thing of, of when two humans lock eyes and connect and there's something ineffable there, you know, and, and so we, we decided, okay, this is, this is kind of what we're doing for a little while and we didn't do anything else. We just, you know, we weren't doing anything else. Neither of us had full-time jobs. We were just being parents to our, I then two-year-old and doing this Ask a Muslim thing. And soon enough, NPR was calling and Huffington Post and, you know, most recently the New York Times. And, you know, it was just this big splash of look, look at what happens when you love the world. Look at what happens when you love, you know, from your heart truly that uh, the world opens up 
and everybody wants a piece of it, you know, and everybody wants to hear about it too. So, you know, we didn't feel like we were doing anything remarkable, but uh, I think people felt like it was remarkable because it was a moment of, of sorrow and sadness and we were offering love, you know, in direct, uh, in direct opposition to that. Mm-hmm. So. And now, do, when you grew up in Flint, in your family, was it a very traditional family or was it a it blended modern um, cultural uh, addition, shall we say? Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. I think when people emigrate from a different place, they bring their culture and they bring the things that they love. And uh, my parents definitely brought over their love for for the spirit of our faith. And I was raised in that pretty, pretty devoutly. You know, we were, I wouldn't say conservative, but we, we certainly practiced with a devotion. Hmm. Um and I can say truthfully that, you know, I'm one of eight children that we all have that love in our hearts for God and for our tradition. And, and so, you know, am I, am I Syrian American or am I American Syrian or Muslim American? You know, I think they all kind of live in, in a, in a bubble where they bump up against each other and they intermix and, and I don't think they're separable in any capacities. <laughs> in mm. any capacity. Yeah, and you've talked about what it what it's like to be different. I mean, I, you know, from where I sit and from my experiences of being in India and being, I think you know about who Neem Karoli Baba is. You might have gone down to that monkey temple down there in Taos. Uh, so immediately with us it was nothing but there is only one there is only one and so that's how we grew up because i was in my we were all in our kind of early 20s when we went over there so um so this is not a the the question is how do you handle the projection of different what is it to be different yeah I, you know, I'm somebody who gets in a lot of trouble because I don't really believe in difference. (laughs) I think at our essence, you know, we're all made up of the same atomic content, the same energy, the same spirit. Um, And, and so those things that differentiate us, these, these ego things, these nefs things, you know, they... I find it very challenging even inside of myself to 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 think about and to talk about but for me difference you know I I believe in a world of of certainly of unity right of oneness but I don't believe in a world of uniformity and mm. I think that's that's the difference yeah. <laughs> you know so for me the earth is beautiful and diverse and you look at humans you look at all the creatures you know the four-legged and the winged creatures and you look at like insects and just different plant life and you know we live in this eden and biodiversity for me is this thing that um how would i say it it perfectly displays the creativity of the oneness. Mm. Beautiful. <laughs> you know? mm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I don't want to get too far into this, but it's a reality that we're sitting with day to day. And, uh, and of course, on, on these podcasts that I've been doing uh, lately, it's been at the top of the... Uh, agenda it's been at the top of the agenda we do uh retreats in maui with ramdas with other teachers and so on and uh mm-hmm. mirabai star being one of them mm-hmm. and of course people are really uh have been upset uh, about this change in administration and what is going on yeah you know a lot of anger a lot of frustration um a lot of just inner chaotic feelings about 
uh, how to even handle the kind of reactivity that we get into with this, with this uh, uh, gigantic support of polarization, the exact opposite of what you and I are speaking of right now. Yeah. And uh, and there and of course the the fear is palpable. And I, I, I'm supposing, of course, that this is uh, partly the impetus for you to go out and just be in public with strangers and so on. But can you talk a little bit about your own personal experience with this, this sea change that is going on in this country? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty incredible, isn't it? The way a, a few days, because it's only been that, you yeah. know, what it's done to our, our, our psychology as a nation and our mental health as a nation, it's pretty remarkable. Um, and so for me, I, I tend to be more optimistic and more idealistic. And for me, I, I think that really comes from this deep well of, of, of knowledge or hope that I rest in not my own power. I, I rest in the power of the oneness, of that unity that we're talking about, and that I'm not alone. And I think one of the really amazing strategies of this administration is its ability to divide. And, mm. and to divide is to conquer, right? But when we're united... Um, when we understand that we're all truly and utterly interconnected, it's kind of like magnanimous. We become un, unstoppable, you know, this force, but, but there's the despair. You know, people are wallowing in this despair. And, and I think that's the real trickery. That's the real, um, you know, maybe Ram Dass would call it like monkey mind, mm. you know, of coming back into that place of I can't, I can't. And, you know, it's too much. It's too big. It's too fast. And and I just I just find myself constantly reminding people that I, as an individual, have great love, but I don't have great power. <laughs> You know, I, yes, my love is power, but, but that it's in our connection and it's in our, our concentrated love when we get together that we can shake the earth and that we can, you know, shift the stars and change anything we want. Um, and for me, you know, like Babaji is a great inspiration because you know, living as a saint means not abiding by the laws of the constructed universe as we, we tend to believe it exists, mm. right? It's to believe in the power of, of what we can't see. And it's to know that that's a reality, though we can't necessarily see it with our eyes. And living in, in light of those who've walked that path, I just have so much hope. Mm. I have so much hope and trust that we are not beyond, <laughs> we are not beyond help. We are not beyond, um, you know, there is no like moment of no return. It's, it's almost just, you know, uh, flipping the script or jumping into a parallel universe where we decide that we want something else, <laughs> you know, and, mm -hmm. and it will be if we, if we believe, you know, if we truly sit in that long enough with our hearts. Mm. One of the most difficult things for me, particularly that I talk about a lot, and, and I know you've talked about it, uh, which is the value of empathy. You've talked about that, and I do want you to get into it, but um the people who have supported this sea change mm -hmm. it's very difficult not to feel that 
polarization due to feeling righteous indignation of what this man represents related to other cultures, related to other religions, related to uh, females in general. I mean, it's very difficult to to abide. Not him. I mean, you know, this is a very wounded, uh, and Ramdas would call it a severely lousy incarnation he's got, <laughs> you know, and that's why yeah. Ramdas puts him up on his uh, on his altar to try and reach the soul part and and love that part, not uh, not the incarnation. But I find it really hard. I, have you have you actually encountered people? Because you're out there in public now. I'm I am to a very small degree. Just in terms of, you know, and when I do, it's with people who are all of one mind and I'm not meeting people who who have supported uh, this uh, this sea change. That's what I want to call it. I don't want to go any further than calling it the sea change. Um, mm-hmm. Have But you must have encountered people who who support that, who who have come up when when you uh, you and your husband offer coffee and donuts. Oh, certainly. <laughs> and it's those people who often don't want to make contact. It's those people who will not stop. And there's almost a cowardice um, that, you know, well, I don't know if it's cowardice, but it's certainly a knowledge that it, if you're to truly connect with another human being who you think you don't like or who you think you have some sort of problem with without knowing them, and you give them a chance, it's intuitive that you can't move on with your life hating that person. Mm. You know, you, you, we all know that at our core. If we truly gave everyone a chance and saw them in their fullness, you know, the way you're talking about beyond our, these lousy incarnations, you know, um, and, and go deeper and see those, those hearts and those souls. Um, yeah, for me, it's, certainly a challenge when that comes up, especially when people uh, project violence or anger or danger onto me. Mm. (laughs) Um, And that's happened. Oh, absolutely. You know, like, what is she hiding under her scarf? Or, Mm. you know, just the, you know, subtle, subtle aggression Mm. or subtle... um, suspicion that I that I'm the one who's truly unsafe you know or, or violence or when, when in reality it's it's the other person's own stuff coming up mm. bubbling up um, that's their own inner violent voice and their own inner violence bubbling up and and showing itself you know um, I <sighs> I wish more of those people would stop and talk because I know what happens when people do. Mm. It's transformative. You know, it just is this, it, you can't help but fall in love, you know, with another human being when you're connecting for nothing else but the connection, (laughs) you know, you can't help it. And so I, I wish that would happen more, but for folks, who, you know, have these people in their families, I think that's especially challenging, you know, um, because you already have all that baggage, <laughs> all the interpersonal stuff, and then and then you get a whole new layer, you know, and, and I, I truly believe what, what, you know, Ram Dass believes, that people like, people like, you know, are unfortunately our current leader um, and those who support him they need the most love (laughs) they're the most afraid of everything (laughs) I I mean I I don't know how many times I've said this but I'm I'm five foot nothing a woman (laughs) I'm I'm currently very pregnant and I I mean maybe if I like bumped into somebody wrong they could like trip and hurt themselves but really (laughs) there's not much i could do to physically harm a person you know in Mm. in in who i am or or what i believe or you know in in all of my my body abilities um so 
for me, it's just kind of ridiculous that that notion. And to to for me to be the one who people project their fears onto is a perfect statement to show how irrational that fear is. You know, it mm. must be if people are walking around afraid of me, the woman who can't stop smiling at everybody. <laughs> like, it's just, you know, one of those things. Yeah. Um, you talk about, this is a tougher subject, collective guilt, and I'm not sure what you mean there, but I mean, and I may be projecting, but I'm obviously, uh, there are many people within the Muslim religion that are interpreting it improperly, shall we say? That's a, probably a wild understatement. And it's the result of a lot of causes and conditions, um, that create this uh, kind of ignorance, um, mm -hmm. but they still are part of, if not countrymen, certainly part of faith, your faith, and so on. Is is that what uh, you're talking about when you're talking about collective guilt um, and, and the relationship to what's gone on over these last uh, many years? Yeah, so the collective guilt I'm talking about is generally... Um, an American, a more American version uh -huh. than, than what you're talking about. So what I'm, what I speak about is more this idea that all Muslims seem to be, um, guilty by association. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, there are almost 2 billion Muslims in the world. If all 2 billion of us somehow truly represented and truly believed in the kind of Islam that the media would have us all believing is the only Islam there is, um, we would live in a very different world. Um, we would live in a very violent and dangerous world. But um, instead you have, you know, 1% of Americans are Muslims. And 10% of American doctors are Muslim. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I know that. Yeah. And Muslims in America represent some of the most educated um, and civically engaged and, um, and actually generous people in the nation. We represent people who give um, to charitable causes. I think it's we're like number one or two of of all other, you know. So when you look at those kinds of things, it's it's hard, you know. Um, we have people talking about alternative facts. Those are those are my alternative facts to the the alternative facts. <laughs> yeah. You know, when you know the truth of a people, it's it it just becomes, you know, like Ramdas talks about the cosmic um theater, you know, that that play where we're all just sort of playing out our roles and our parts and you know. Mm. Yeah, so that's the collective guilt I'm talking about. You know, but if you want to talk about what what makes people um you know, behave in those violent and horrendous ways. I mean, we have to truly look at human history and we have to truly look at our human um, capacity to be unloving <laughs> towards others and, and to see others as merely others. Um, and so that is, you know, we have a very unfortunate history of, of colonization and imperialization in the world, which broke the backs and hearts and bodies and spirits of so many in the world. And I think we're seeing a karmic um, surge of those bodies and minds not knowing what to do with that pain. Yeah. And it's just pain that's undealt with, you know, and um, I think if we found some creative avenues, like I think poetry is one of those avenues, mm. 
I think music is, and I think art certainly is. Um, you know, we need to find the avenues which heal, which connect people instead of just continuing to drop bombs and, you know, create divisive policies and, yeah. Hmm. Another thing you talk about, which is close to our hearts and something we share at retreats and workshops and everything that we do, is, uh, and in the spirit of uh, dealing with what's going on right now and the kind of anger and reactivity and fear uh, that is in people as a result of this uh, administration change. Um, mm -hmm. And what we try to do is like work with people and work with uh, to show a direction that you can use this as an opportunity to work. This is, he's providing us with wonderful work on ourselves, mm -hmm. to be able to go inside ourselves and to be able to see that we all have everything in us, everything, including him. And this and his that reflection gives us an opportunity to change things inside ourselves, to at least address them, to become aware and mindful about them. And, and, I, and the uh, correlation here to something that you have talked about I want you to expand upon is uh, how you challenge, uh, how you transform these challenges into blessings, and that's mm -hmm. something you've talked about. Talk about that and how you, in your personal life and these encounters, uh, how are you managing to do that? I think I think it's a very simple answer, and I think it's a very silly answer. Oh. <laughs> you know, so uh, Shel Silverstein, you know, yeah, yeah, that, the cartoonist. <laughs> Yeah, fantastic poet and author. Um, you know, he has this poem uh, called Hug of War. <laughs> Instead of tug of war, you know, hug of war. Um, it really is about transforming the language we use and, and spiritualizing our, our narratives so that it, if we truly want to live nonviolent and anti-violent lives and if we want to transform our challenges into blessings, it it all begins with the way we think and talk about them, you know. And and I know, um, like mindfulness practices of of breathing deep and sitting inside of the misery <laughs> sometimes, and sitting inside of the shadow and the fears, um, to truly see them, because you know it's only ever a step away from that bigger, more beautiful thing, you know? So, so the blessing is always, you know, right at, right at the, right at the, the precipice of, of the, the challenge, you know, mm -hmm. it's like, it's like moving from being asleep to being awake. It's almost unconscious, you know, where you don't really know it's happening, but it's happening. It's it's just a matter of of waking up to the fact that it's it's in our hands to do it. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a choice. You know, it's definitely a choice. And and for me, the choice is always um, this. You know, do I invest my time, my energy, my effort into the economy of perpetuating my fear, which makes me and everyone else more fearful? Or do I, or do I spend my time and my energy investing in the economy of love, hmm. which creates more love for me and for everybody, you know? And, you know, I loved what you said that we all contain everything, um, you know, that's, that's from every divine tradition that exists. And so, you know, in, in, in my tradition, this idea that we, we contain the entire universe, it's just a matter of unpacking it, <laughs> you know, that it's this jam-packed, beautiful thing of wisdom and sadness and glory and joy 
and you know challenge and it we just need to unpack it all to figure out oh this goes over here and this goes over here and you know and we make it a mess and then we put it back together we put it all back and then we make a mess and we put it all back and mm. you know that's the learning that's the growing and that's the reincarnating you know yeah, yeah. that's the enlightenment yeah. every day yeah yeah can i ask you a personal question how old are you 28 gee whiz <laughs> So much wisdom in such a young woman. It's so great. Wow. Um, I'm going to read. I just want to read something that you wrote, if you don't mind, um, that just has, again, a ton of wisdom in it, Mona. Um, There's part of me that struggles with being called a leader, the part of me that subscribes to the counterculture, the part of me that believes that we are all leaders in our own right. The part of me that sees what leaders have done to our Mother Earth. The part of me that observes the suffering and ascribes it to bad leadership in our world. The part of me that wishes to be free of the sins of leadership. But even in my struggle to be separate, I find myself rising to my own call to live in the more beautiful we know world that we know is possible. I, and this is what we were talking about, you just, I mean, we're pretty connected here on this. I am the suffering and the struggle. I am the sins and broken promises. In this realization, I find freedom because it, because it is my femininity that can take all of the hurt in the world, face it, and embrace it without reservation or condition. It is the feminine in me that can take on the role of leader without the constraints of the masculine standard, discipline, or curriculum. That's great. Okay, that's really great. And I'm, and I'm, I'm supposing also that this is a big part of the impetus that you have from, from the one, to move forward and act in the ways that you've been acting, and uh, all the way to uh, Standing Rock. And I, I'd like you to just uh, tell us a little bit about your experience going out to Standing Rock. Yeah, so Standing Rock was, oh, it was such a, an amazing gathering of humans where people were truly there um, for nothing but love for the earth, you know, love for Mama Earth. And as somebody who really tries to uphold ideals of gentleness um, towards the earth, um, it was just, you know, I, I told some friends that for me it was like being at Hajj. It was like being on pilgrimage. Mm. Um, mm. There was, it was just ecstatic at a lot of moments. Um, and it's funny because I spent a lot of my time in the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just cooking for people who were out on the front lines. Um, I was about seven months pregnant when I went and, you know, I had so many women come to me and say, oh, you know, you brought the medicine with you and, and, you know, you brought medicine with you. Look at this amazing, like, medicine you brought inside of you. Thank you for being here and thanking mm. me, you know, and, and for me that just felt uh, like I felt embarrassed. Um, I felt really embarrassed to be being thanked for coming out for four days, you know, when so many people were out there day after day protecting the water, protecting the earth. And here I was, you know, supposedly bringing some kind of medicine, but it hit me, you know, that what is rising right now um, is a, a, a femininity. You know, this divine feminine is truly rising. And I think why we have a president like we do now is because of an intense fear of the rise of that femininity. Mm. Right on. And it's a direct relationship to that rise that we need such a, a 
foolish form of masculinity. Mm. I mean, it's, it's, you know, you couldn't believe in a more comical God than, than, than you, you ever could unless you lived in our era, you know? Um, this is, this is truly the era of the cosmic comedy, you know, where the oneness and, and God or this divine being is just making us laugh so hard at human folly, <laughs> you know, where like, look at this and look at this and, and it's all in direct relationship, you know, and so it's like, it's like watching that, that, um, you know, if you've ever seen Forrest Gump where that, mm-hmm. that he's playing ping pong and it's just like, whoa, 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 mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's just watching that ping pong ball go back and forth, back and forth. And it's like, maybe we just need to put the ball and the paddles down and sit down for a minute, <laughs> you know, just breathe into this moment of, of, uh, a, you know a a consciousness shift because it's happening and people are just wildly afraid and they're wildly afraid and and people are finally waking up to the fact that we have work to do um because of all the damage we've done to our mama earth and and i think it's brilliant that you know people are waking up to this truth in fact and i think our current administration is going to be the impetus for a huge awakening um, of so many tender-hearted mm-hmm. young people and elders who never knew um, how how deeply we've wounded our mama earth. You know, um, it's going to be a real awakening. You know, and, and I think it's already happening. Yeah, I think that that yes, and. Uh... The creation that is happening, and I think will happen, uh, the the stream will become a river into the sea, and it'll yeah. it'll, it'll really grow in that way, uh, and and it will be as a result of uh, of what is going on, and as a result of the sea change, this will create a sea change in consciousness, and I, I absolutely agree with you. I only yeah. would hope there's, of course, the, the destructiveness that will go on over this time, uh, how, how that can be abated in any way by what I don't know. But, yeah. uh, you know, it's just going to be hard to watch the suffering is, is the other part of it, you know. And, and suffering of, of, of people who wear hijab of people who were from you know Mexico of 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 this land of i mean so many different variations mm-hmm. of cruelty mm-hmm. um and and although i think it's correct that it will m- motivate people to look inside themselves to make some changes and collectively pull themselves together mm-hmm. so it's a little of you know accepting the beauty that'll happen uh, alongside the uh, of darkness so yeah i mean i think for every you know terrible word that's said about a mexican or a muslim or an immigrant or a trans person you know we need to say two kind words Mm. and two beautiful words and for every you know um pipeline that goes in we need to plant a thousand trees and I think if we just take it upon ourselves as individuals to be those, that resistance, you know, we have the capacity to, to shift everything. You know, it, it's so dangerous to, to think about and to live in only the possibility of what this horrible power can do. Yeah. Instead, I think we have to live in the possibility of what our creative spirits can do. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I know uh, you were in this New York Times article, and the talk was around love is investment with infinite returns, which I I love that statement. Um, More part of the cosmic economy. And uh, that languaging is really great, Mona. 
Um, and, uh, and, and at some point, I, th I think you said this, but I may be wrong. This was all known by our ancestors. Is that, can you talk about that a little bit? And I think that's, because I think that's super important because we need to look to the, as, uh, those examples. Yeah. You know, it's sort of what I talked about earlier of, of walking in the light of, of people and beings like Babaji and others who, who live that, um, constant light, you know, who live that constant love. Um, and that's what I mean by our ancestors, you know, those, those beings who truly got it. <laughs> um, there's, there's, there, there are so many who we can look to for wisdom and courage and um, inspiration. And for me, it doesn't matter what tradition those people come from. Um, because as a Muslim, it is my firm belief that um, what the Prophet Muhammad said was true. And what he said was that all wisdom is the inheritance of the believer, um, of, of all of us, that I am entitled to all of everybody's wisdom, all of the, the sages and spiritual masters and gurus and teachers, and I'm entitled to all of that because I am a daughter of all of that. Mm. Uh, and so for me, you know, I don't, I don't live in this world where I'm bound by my own tradition um, because I'm afraid that studying another will shake my own foundation. Mm -hmm. That's just not a reality. Studying other traditions um, strengthens my own my own tradition, and it and it grows my roots deeper into the knowledge that we're so deeply connected, mm -hmm. and that. That there is nothing but that connection, mm. you know. And you know, investing in that in that love economy for me is is like I, I talk about this all the time, especially when I'm leading retreats. But that that economy is incredible because the yields, you know, the, the returns, um, they're, they're incomprehensible. They're infinite and eternal. You know, they're not quantifiable. And if you want to talk about the world of form, you know, you can, you can make money and go to Wall Street and be an investment banker and a hedge fund person and, you know, learn all the tricks and make all the money. But if you truly want that wealth, um, for me, it's love. It's truly love. Um, you know, I want that infinite, eternal, um, ineffable transaction. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah. All right. One of the, uh, shall we say, one of our mentors and... and uh, I share this with you because, Mona, because I love him so much and I love poetry. And I asked you before we went on, and uh, is there any possibility you could uh, read your favorite Hafiz poem? Would you do that for us right now? Sure. Um, it's even after all this time, the sun never says to the earth, you owe me. Look what happens with a love like that. It lights up the whole sky. Mm. Yeah, for me, that's, that's the love economy. You mm -hmm. know, the, the love beyond condition, the love beyond attachment. It's just, it's just love. <laughs> mm. Okay, I want to read a poem by a, a poet I just met. I watch at the door, you leave open just enough for me to see. You are dervish spinning, your dance dazzles me, I forget how to breathe. Your spirit dances in my consciousness, 
remembrance of you is fluid, cyclical, like the skirt that spins. I am at your feet, bare-knuckle knocking, begging to be let in. Okay, Mona Hedar. <laughs> it's a fantastic poem, Mona, okay? Thank you. <laughs> uh, so great to meet you and spend Likewise. some time. I'm really happy Mirabai Star put us together. Thank you, Mirabai. Thanks, Mirabai. <laughs> Uh, so uh, Mona has, uh, I guess, MonaHedar.com website. That's M -O right, MonaHedar.com. Mm -hmm. M-O-N-A-H-A-Y-D-A-R.com. And you can connect with uh, Mona there, and she does stuff all over the place. Or you might see her on the street with her husband, and you can get a donut and a cup of coffee and just chat for a minute. And... Uh, and who knows, we uh, at Be Here Now Network, we'll, we might figure something out that if you're in the vicinity, we can do some stuff together because we do these live podcasts as well. And uh, you're in New York, right? I'm in New York. Yeah. And you're going to have a new child, seems to me, real soon because you mentioned you were at Standing Rock in seven months, so you must be nine months now. <laughs> Just about, <laughs> yeah. So congratulations for that. And uh, again, really great to meet you. And uh, we, uh, I hope we shall uh, see each other again and talk again. Likewise. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mona. This is uh, Mind Rolling on the Be Here Now Network. We'll see you next time. <laughs>